Well, I'm preaching a sermon series on the great call stories of the Bible. These moments where God calls particular people to certain actions or positions. And today I want to look at one that, that is not often listed as a call story. It's really sort of a recall story of a prophet named Elijah. It's really kind of a course correction. To understand the story, you have to understand the context. Elijah is a prophet working in Israel, and there's a very bad king and queen, Ahab and Jezebel. And uh, they have led the people to worship the, the Canaanite god Baal, or Baal. Um, and a lot of times that was a very, it's a very rough religion. A lot of times if uh, Abraham, or Baal was a god of fertility, so... Uh, there were often kind of inappropriate acts that went into worship of Baal. Also, it was not uncommon for, your, for fertility, for your lifeblood to be a part of the sacrifice. So self-cutting and also uh, sacrificing of people um, to, the wor- to the gods of Baal. It, and Elijah has been speaking out against these practices, against uh, uh, Ahab and against Jezebel. And he is now a marked man. Okay, so at any point they will find him, they will capture and kill him. Now in 1 Kings 18, he has a showdown on a mountain with the prophets of Baal. In fact, it was a setting a lot like this, only it was on a hillside with thousands of Israelites watching and King Ahab himself there. And, and the prophets of Baal set up an altar and Elijah sets up an altar and all day the prophets of Baal try to get their God to send fire down from heaven to consume uh, what they have uh, offered. And uh, it's not working. And they're dancing around all day and they're cutting themselves and trying to show how, how reverently they worship the god Baal. And Elijah's actually teasing them. He said, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe your God's asleep. Maybe your God's away. He can't hear you. He's hard of hearing. I don't know. And Elijah taunts all day these, these uh, prophets of Baal and then it's his turn. And he, what he does is soak he has them pour a ton of water on this altar that he's created. And fire comes down from heaven and not only consumes the, the, uh, the bull or whatever he was sacrificing, but it starts to consume all the wood. It starts to consume all the stones. starts to consume all the water and all the ground around it. And not only that, it starts to consume the neighboring altar of Baal. Okay, this great mighty act of uh, nothing has ever happened like this. I mean, you can list all the great acts of power in the whole Bible, and this would have to be one of them, right? This, ten plagues, the Red Sea, the resurrection. There's only a handful that really stand out as amazing, and this one is one of them. I mean, you've never seen fire come down and consume stones before. This great, amazing act of power. And Elijah comes down from this, and we pick up right at the end of chapter 18. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. That is the capital city. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And how, and I didn't mention this, he killed all the prophets of Baal with a sword. At the end, when, he, when all the fire comes down, the people get all excited and they kill all those false prophets for trying to lead them astray in all that they've done over the years. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. 
Then he was afraid. And he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is, it, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under the broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose, ate and drank, and went in strength, with, in the strength of that food, forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, throw down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke pieces of the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after that wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Some of you will remember the King James, a still small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloth, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall appoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and Abel Maloha, you shall anoint to be the prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Here ends the reading of God's word. So Elijah runs to Jezreel. Okay, he, after this huge victory, biggest victory of his life, biggest victory any of us could even imagine, he runs to the capital city. Now, why would he run to the capital city? Remember, he's a marked man. Okay? If you're the most wanted man in America, the one place you don't go is Washington, D.C. Okay? He goes to Jezreel. Why does he run to Jezreel? doesn't just walk. He runs there. Because he's expecting one of two things. Either after this great power, of this great show of power, either Ahab and Jezebel are going to repent and follow the one true God, or the people are going to rise up and kick him out, just like they did with the prophets of Baal. So he runs to the capital city where he knows he could be killed, but he's expecting this great return, and he gets there, and nothing happens. In fact, Jezebel's heart is just hardened more. She gets mad and threatens him. Just like those prophets of Baal were killed, that's what I hope will happen to me 
And I, if, I, if I don't do what I'm saying right now and kill you by tomorrow at this time. Instead, he gets this threat from Jezebel. The repentance doesn't come. The revolution doesn't come. The great showing of power, what has it done? Nothing. It's done nothing in Israel. Greatest, one of the greatest shows of power in the history of the world, in all the Bible. It's done nothing. And he despairs. And he runs out into the wilderness. And he stops, and it says he let his, he let his uh, servant go. Now, Elijah's not wealthy. He doesn't have a servant because, he, because he's, he's got all this money. He's got a servant because he's in ministry, and he needs someone to assist him. So when he leaves his servant there, he's leaving his staff. You understand? He's leaving the ministry. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. This didn't work. I'm never going to be able to do anything greater than what I did the other day. I'm going to let my staff go. I'm done. And he goes out into the wilderness, depressed, despairing, and he wants to die. But notice he does not presume to take his own life. He asks God to do it. Now, this is a big enough crowd, and there are enough people here that I, I know that there are people here who have considered suicide. In this crowd, there are probably people who have tried suicide. But notice Elijah, though he wants to die, though those feelings of despair are not foreign to the Bible in any way, he does not presume that he has the right to do that. His life is still God's. Elijah at this point crashes, sleeps under a big broom tree, which would have been great cover. Then the, an angel comes and treats him with such care. Unlike any other angel, in, in all the Bible, the, all these angels, they come and they make these big announcements. What does this angel do? Cooks. This angel cooks. Comes, touches him on the shoulder, and cooks him a meal. Because you know what God knows? Elijah's exhausted. He's physically exhausted. And sometimes, you know what you need to get by in this world? You need rest and a good meal. Sometimes you just need rest and a good meal. And God meets those physical needs where Elijah is. And he comes and he touches him, comes and gives care, gives him some food, and tells him to sleep. And then he wakes him up again, has him meet one more time, and sends him off on a journey. Notice it's a 40-day and 40-night journey. That's never on accident in the Bible. Okay, 40 days, 40 years, 40 is the number of preparation. He goes out into the wilderness. Elijah goes to Mount Horeb. Now that name may not sound familiar to you, but it has another name. This is Mount Sinai. This is Mount Sinai. It has both names, Sinai, Horeb. This is the place where Moses heard the burning bush. This is the place where Moses got the Ten Commandments. This is where Moses went to meet the Lord and felt the Lord in an earthquake. He makes the journey to the mountain. The 40 days, just like the 40 days of rain, just like the 40 years Moses is in the desert until the burning bush, just like the 40 years that he leads the people through the wilderness, just like the 40 days Jesus fasts in the wilderness. Elijah takes the 40-day journey and goes to the place where God has told him to go, where God has showed up so many times for Moses before to be in God's presence. And when he gets there, he's, he's exhausted. And God says, Moses, what are you doing here? Now listen, Mo God knows why Moses is there, right? Okay? 
God doesn't ask, I don't think God's like, Moses, what are you doing here? Right? He knows he's there. He sent him there. God never asks questions in the Bible for God's information. He always asks questions in the Bible for your information. He's trying to find out from Moses, help Moses realize why he's there. Moses, what are you doing here? God gets Elijah to talk. He's not just physically exhausted, he's psychologically exhausted. He's got stuff he's got to get off of his chest. And sometimes as people, we just need to talk a little bit. Express what's going on. God cares for Elijah both mentally and physically. And so Moses rants. Something we all would say. Lord, I've been zealous for you. I've done all this stuff for you. I've worked my butt off. I feel like I'm the only one though. And it didn't work. They're still out to get me. So God puts Moses in the cle- puts Elijah in the cleft of a rock. The text says. In fact, a lot of scholars wonder if it's the same cleft of a rock that Elijah got to see God pass by. Maybe the same spot on the mountain. Suddenly, hurricane winds come through, but God is not in the wind. Then there's a major earthquake, and the whole place shakes, and all the rocks are starting to fall off the cliff. But God is not in the earthquake. Then fire pours through that part of the mountain, searing the rocks, burning up the vegetation, but God is not in the fire. Then there is this whisper, this sort of inaudible sound. And Elijah covers his face. He doesn't even know what to do when he feels the weight of the presence of God in that whisper. Now what's going on here? Well, let's be clear. God sent all those things, right? So when it's the, text, the text says God is not in those things. It just means God's presence isn't especially in those things. It's not like, Mo, it's not like Elijah's up there and just so happened that some fire went by. Some wind tore through that place. God sent those things. It also doesn't mean that God never uses those things. At the end of Job and at Pentecost, both times God comes as a wind. There on Mount Sinai before the people of Israel, God came as an earthquake. On that same mountain, a bush had been burning that it wasn't consumed. God came as fire. Abraham had seen fire. The people of Israel had been led by fire. In the chapter before this, God had used fire to come down from the sky to burn up all the altars. The the point of the passage is not that God never uses fire, earthquake, or wind. God uses all those things. But here God's presence is felt most in the gentle whisper. What God is gently and patiently trying to do is tend to Elijah's spirit. Trying to teach Elijah a lesson that we all need to hear. His problem is not just physical, it's not just mental, he also has a spiritual problem. Elijah is despairing because God didn't follow his plan. God, I had a plan. We had it all worked out and we didn't get the results that I wanted. Here's how Pastor Timothy Keller puts it. God has not a let God has not let Elijah down. Elijah's plan has let Elijah down. And what Elijah had done was equate his plan with God. See that? He's mad at God not because God's plan failed. He's mad at God because Elijah's plan failed. And he just made his plan God's plan. It's not God's fault that Elijah is mad. It's Elijah's fault. 
Elijah had it all worked out. He did everything he was supposed to do, and he was controlling God, demanding that God give him the reaction that he wanted. And then he's in despair when God doesn't do what he wants him to. But God is not an on-call God to our wishes. God is not an on-demand God. And there's a difference between doing things for God and God doing things through you. So often we get zealous. We try to do things for God. Then we get mad when God does not hold up his end of our bargain. But God didn't agree to that bargain. And just when you think God is going to bring fire, he comes as a whisper. And just when you think God is going to bring an earthquake, the wind starts to pick up. Our God is not a tame God that you can control. That doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan either. Elijah gets to learn this from God. God says, I, what do you, Elijah, I've got a plan going. It's just not your plan. You're not alone. 7,000 people have not bowed to Baal or it says kissed him. In other words, kissed the feet of the idol of Baal. He's going to bring up a king named Haziel. By the way, Haziel is a totally pagan king. Not, not, not a Jewish king at all. Does not worship the one true God. And God says, hey, I'm going to use Haziel to deal with this problem. And he's going to bring up another servant, a student, the next prophet of Israel named Elisha. And so Elijah goes back to work, this time more humbly, seeking God's plan instead of his own. And what should stand out to us most about this story, by the way, is the relentless tenderness and grace of God. God has every reason to be very angry at Elijah. Elijah, what are you doing being mad at me for? In fact, we know that God could take care of it. He got fire, bam, down from the sky. He did it to the altars. Just do it to Elijah. But God doesn't do that. And he doesn't do that to us. That's not the kind of God that we serve. We serve a God of grace. A God who pursues us. A God who cares for us. This is a God who cooks for us. This is a God who talks to us. This is a God who listens to us. And this is the same God who died on a cross while we were yet sinners. And if God would die for us while we were yet sinners, he is gracious enough to keep calling us and recalling us and readjusting us and bringing us back to his plans and his ways when we are stubborn, when we are selfish, and when we are equating our plans with God. Whatever you have done and whatever mistakes you have made, there may be a whisper in your life right now calling you back to God's purposes and God's plans. May you heed that whisper in your life this day. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each of us, that we would know that you are God, that we would stop living to our own ways. That we would stop trying to force our plans and our ways on you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.